Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 36 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. Today is Wednesday. The Rangers coming off of a tough 3-1 to road loss to the Los Angeles Kings last night. Really a game where the Rangers had the better of play early. I thought they had a great first period. They were really buzzing on LA's side of the ice, really creating a lot of scoring opportunities. Looked dangerous as hell on the one power play opportunity that they got. Put 14 shots on net. The only thing they didn't do was light the lamp. They just could not crack the scoreboard. And you got to tip your cap a little bit to Jonathan Quick. Quick was a net for the Kings, and he's had a tough season this year. Really struggled early, just got off to a nightmarish start. He's been better recently, though. Still has the inflated goals against average, but he's getting a little bit back to being the Jonathan Quick that we all know and, you know, the guy that, unfortunately, we were up against in the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, maybe not quite at that level, but Jonathan Quick nevertheless finding his game, and he was on top of his game last night in this one. And Henrik Lundqvist back in net for the Rangers. I thought he had a pretty strong game as well. The second goal, you could argue, maybe a little bit soft. It kind of caught him. You know, he got a piece of it with his glove, but it bounced out and kind of just rolled down his back onto the crease, and the Kings stuffed it home. But overall, I thought a pretty good night for Henrik Lundqvist, and, and certainly for a guy who's been out of the lineup for the last three games with a minor back injury. The Kings play a 1-3-1 system in the neutral zone. They're looking to create turnovers and just kind of deny entry. And so as a result, the Rangers kind of had to play a, a little bit more of a dump and chase game that, than I think they're used to playing. You know, it's not exactly the trap that the Devils used to play, but there are similarities. I mean, I mean, the trap back in the day, basically you would just clog the neutral zone and, and turn the game into a wrestling match. And you can't do that anymore because they'll call, they'll call holding penalties. But, yeah, the Kings looking to play a defensive style of game. Obviously, it hasn't helped them too much this season because they're still at the bottom of the Western Conference. But, yeah, the Rangers, I mean, in the first period, I thought they handled this pretty well because they haven't really, you know, seen a defensive structure like this so far this season. But, nevertheless, able to create a bunch of scoring opportunities. Like we said, you know, the only thing they didn't do was put one in the net. They had a lot of chances and, unfortunately, just didn't work out. I also want to mention that Brennan Lemieux was fined $2,000 for the elbow that he delivered to Cody Glass in the Rangers' last game, a 5-0 win at Vegas. And I don't know, this seemed a little bit excessive to me. You know, we talked about it in the last episode when we discussed the win against the Knights, but I didn't think there was any malicious intent here. I didn't think Lemieux was looking to hurt the guy. And if anything, I thought he kind of turned away from him at the last second and his elbow just kind of flew up and, and caught him in the side of the head. It looked bad because, you know, Glass, Glass was really shaken up on the play and we hope that he's all right. And he needed the assistance of two of his teammates. You know, he kind of had an arm around each teammate and they helped him get off the ice. So it looked bad, but yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I'll concede that, that it was a penalty, and there there was no penalty called when it happened. But yeah, two thousand for that. I don't, that that seems a little bit steep to me. And just for an update on Glass, he did not practice on Monday, and he missed the team's game on Tuesday against the Blackhawks. So obviously, all the best to him. But yeah, I just I didn't think this was a dirty play. I didn't think it really warranted a, a fine there. And as for the Rangers' line combinations and defense pairings, you've got Mika Zibanejad centering Artemi Panarin and Capo Caco. Rangers really looking to get Caco going, and it kind of worked a little bit tonight. He got an assist on the Rangers' lone goal, and he put eight shots on net. And really, he probably could have had more shots than that because there were a couple times early in this game, and we'll talk about it in just a minute, where he passed when it looked like maybe he should have shot. But hard to argue with eight shots. Obviously, he's kind of, you know, heeding the message that, that the coaches have been delivering, not just to him, but to the entire team, that we have to shoot more. And he indeed did shoot more. He he was close on a couple of them, and I have a prediction right now. I believe that Capo Caco breaks his scoring drought in the next game. He lights the lamp in the Rangers Thursday night 
contest against the San Jose Sharks at 10.30 puck drop in that one as well as the Rangers continue to go through this four-game road trip. But anyway, that's your top line. Then you've got Philip Heedle centering Chris Kreider and Ryan Strom. Strom, a versatile player, moving over to the wing for the Rangers. And then the third line, Brett Howden centering Brendan Lemieux and Pavel Buchnevich. And then rounding out the forwards with the fourth line, you've got Greg McKaig centering Jesper Faust and Brendan Smith. And Jesper Faust, a guy that continues to move up, down, backwards, and forwards all over the lineup, really. Uh, very versatile player for the Rangers. Again, we talked about this in a previous episode, but you can put him out there on any line with any other two forwards, and it never feels like he's out of place. He can play a lot of different roles for this team. Defense pairings, once again, Brady Shea and Jacob Truba, they both continue to play well, so leave them together. The second pairing, now it's all the same pairings, but now Ryan Lindgren and Adam Fox kind of moving up to, to the second pairing, if you will, so maybe a little bit more ice time for them, and then Mark Stahl and Tony D'Angelo on the third line. I wanted to talk just a little bit about the Rangers' 5 nothing win the other night against Vegas, and more specifically, you know, kind of the negative reaction that I saw from, you know, not everybody, but, you know, certainly there were some people on Twitter who were not happy about that, and even people who cover the team who were, I thought, a little bit overly critical of the Rangers for this win. Now, we talked about this in the last episode where, the Rangers did not dominate that game, and certainly they did not play as well as the 5 nothing score would indicate. We acknowledge that on here, but you know what? A 5 nothing win is a 5 nothing win. It is a good game, and a 5 nothing win on the road against a tough opponent is an even better game. But, you know, we're supposed to think that just because the Rangers got off to a lousy start in the first 10 minutes that it was a bad game? Or we're supposed to think that, you know, be, because Georgiev had to make so many saves that that makes it a bad game. Now, listen, they, the Knights, they got too many opportunities, especially early in that game. Georgiev was forced to stand on his head. But Georgiev is part of the team, too. The fact that he played such a good game and pitched a shutout and kept the puck out of the net, that all is a good thing. Goaltender is the most important position on the ice, and Georgiev was outstanding. So that's that's a good sign for the Rangers. And there were other things that they did well also. You know, first of all, good teams pick each other up, okay? So when the Rangers didn't exactly come flying out of the starting blocks, Georgiev was there. He basically just said to his teammates, hey, I got this. You guys will find your game. Let me take care of everything here in the early goings. And he did that. And yes, this game could have been 2 nothing nights or 3 nothing nights in the first period. I acknowledge that. But you know what? The Rangers hung in there. And sometimes you're not always going to be at your absolute best. And part of being a good team and playing good hockey is finding a way even when you're not at your best, to stay in the game, stay in the fight, and give yourself a chance to come back and eventually find your game. Because yes, the Rangers did not have their A game early in this contest. But they, again, they they did what they had to do. They found a way to keep the puck out of the net that was mostly Georgiev, but they hung in there and they eventually kind of took flight in that game. And they were opportunistic as well. They scored two goals in 14 seconds. Is that a bad thing? You know, I know that the first period, the Rangers end up with a 2 nothing lead going into the break, and you could definitely make the case and probably be right that the Knights, nevertheless, had the better of play in that stretch. But I still see it as a positive that the Rangers, despite being outplayed, going go into the break with a two-goal lead. And how about the special teams in that game? Was that a bad thing? The, the special teams were awesome. They scored two power play goals, and they were perfect on the penalty kill. Also a good sign, a sign of a team that is maturing and getting better, especially on the road, to kill off four power plays for the Knights. How about one more good sign? Scoring contributions from up and down the lineup in that game. The Rangers got goals from five different players, and 12 different players cracked the score sheet, including all six defensemen. All six defensemen had at least one point. You're going to tell me this was a bad game for the Rangers? Come on, there's going to be reasons to criticize this team at times this season. I've done it before. 
Most analysts have done it before, I'm sure. Fans of this team at times get a little frustrated, you know, especially with their their lack of, you know, shooting at times when, when they need to pull the trigger and they just don't do it. But come on, you, you can't get that mad at a team for a 5 nothing win just because basically they had a bad start. Yes, the first 10 minutes of that game against the Knights were, were not pretty, but they hung in there and they had the better of play after that for the most part. Now, it was not perfect. We've acknowledged that on this podcast, but the Rangers got the job done and there were a lot of very, very positive signs in that game against Vegas. Okay, I've said my piece on that, so let's jump into this game against the Kings here. Now, the Kings have struggled a lot this season, but it is important to keep in mind that they are a very different team at home versus on the road. At home, they came in with a record of 9-6-1. That, of course, is now 10-6-1. On the road, 2-12-1. I mean, think about that. They've played 31 games this season, well, now 32, and they have two road wins. They're on pace for, like, five road wins all season. There's 41 road games. I mean, that that really is crazy. I don't think they'll stay on such a bad pace. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll end up with more than five road wins. But, I mean, to be a third of the way through the season and only be on pace to get five road wins, that really is crazy. Now, before we dive into this game against the Kings, I do want to just talk about one thing here real quick. If I sound different today, it is because I am using my cell phone to record this podcast. We had some technical difficulties yesterday. That's why there was no episode. I actually had an entire episode recorded on the Rangers goaltender situation, which includes Henrik Lundqvist, Alex Georgiev, and Igor Shosturkin. And basically what I did was I came up with four different options that I think the the Rangers have with their goalies going forward. Because there's a lot of talk about, you know, maybe wanting to call Shosturkin up to the NHL and there's been talk about perhaps trading Alex Georgiev. I basically assess every different option that I think the Rangers have as it pertains to their goaltender situation. Unfortunately, due to some technical difficulties, that episode was lost. I was not able to post it, and that's why there was no episode yesterday. What I'm going to do is basically just re-record that episode after this one. So that'll be tomorrow's episode, the, the episode on the goaltender situation. For today, we're just going to talk about the Kings because we've been talking about the goalies a little bit and, you know, the Rangers wanting to call Shesterkin up, but it's too much just to talk about for two or three minutes. It really is worthy of its own episode. So, again, if I sound a little bit different today, if the quality is a little bit lower, I apologize, but I am not taking the chance of, uh, you know, having technical difficulties and losing another episode, at least not here in the short term. So, yeah, this episode and the next one, both going to be recorded on the phone, most likely. But anyway, first period here, Kings get a couple of shots in the in the first couple minutes and no real high-quality scoring opportunities, but... In a way, I think this is almost a blessing in disguise because Lundqvist has missed some time and you want him to get some early action and just kind of get into the game. And that way Lundqvist can face some early shots, just kind of get back into the swing of things. Because as we said, you know, he's been out with an injury. Georgiev has played the last three games. Uh, Lundqvist had not played since the December 2 game against the Knights, the loss to the Knights. So he's missed over a week and back in net here getting some early action. Not the worst thing in the world. And I wanted to talk about, you know, Capo Caco. Now, he ended up with eight shots on goal in this game. So I, I can't sit here and, you know, pick him apart for not shooting the puck enough. But he had a chance here where he's he's moving slowly across, you know, he's parallel to the net and he's moving across, you know, the high slot area and just doesn't pull the trigger. He eventually skates back toward the blue line and then he shoots the puck. But at that point, it's a fairly easy save for quick. He kind of had the puck, you know, in some prime real estate there. Really probably should have just, you know, thrown it at the net, but he didn't do that. And and I do think that the lack of shooting from Kako so far this season, you know, tonight notwithstanding, because again, he came up with eight shots on goal. But I think in the early part of the season, him not shooting the puck 
likely a result of just wanting to be a good teammate and wanting to be unselfish and, you know, kind of kind of win himself over in the locker room. You know, he is a young guy. He's, he's new to this team. First of all, Kako, he's 18 years old. We, we've talked about that enough. But think about, you know, his hockey career to this point. I am willing to bet that every other team he's ever played on before the Rangers, he is far and away the best player on the team on the ice. And he's a guy who's going to, you know, be shooting the puck and, you know, be looking to pull the trigger. He's a great passer as well. But when you're out there, you know, with other teenagers and you're clearly the best player, you're probably a lot more apt to shoot the puck. And now he's on the Rangers and he's surrounded by guys, you know, Artemi Panarin. He's playing with Panarin and Zibanejad tonight, you know, arguably the two most dangerous scoring threats that the Rangers have. Actually, not even really arguably. They are the two best, <laughs> the two most dangerous scoring threats that the Rangers have. So, yeah, he's out there with them. He might think that, you know, pass before shoot. But, you know, we've talked about this. He's just got to, you know, basically just be a little bit more selfish at times. It's okay to shoot. And we saw that later in the game when, the, when he actually had a secondary assist on Panarin's goal in the closing seconds. Now, at that point, the Rangers were down two to nothing. So it's obvious that you have to shoot the puck. There's, you're down two goals and there's like 35 seconds left. And that's when Kako was willing to shoot. And it went to Kreider and Kreider set up Panarin and Panarin scored. And in that, that's just a perfect example, though, of why you need to shoot the puck. Because, yes, Kako did not score on that goal. But look what it led to. Kreider's right there for the rebound. He moves it to, you know, the most dangerous player on the ice in Panarin. And Panarin puts it home. And the whole thing was set up because Kako didn't pass. He shot. And, yes, Quick made the save. But it leads directly to a Ranger goal. Sometimes, man, you just got to throw the puck at the net. And, again, that doesn't apply just to Kako. That implies to this entire Rangers team. And Lundqvist was really on his game early in this one. Uh, Kings went in on the rush, still scoreless at this point. Lundqvist comes up in his crease, kicks out his right pad to make just a great save, and then makes an outstanding stop on the rebound as well. And the Rangers get the clear. And welcome back, Henrik Lundqvist. You know, that was his first time really being tested in this game, and he passes with flying colors. Rangers get a power play opportunity not long after that, the first man advantage of the game. They're ranked 12th in the league at exactly 20%, and the Kings come in with the 29th ranked penalty kill unit. So obviously, a little bit of a mismatch. You're, you're looking to take advantage of that if you're the Rangers. Uh, Panarin set up Zibanejad twice. Zibanejad put the puck wide a couple of times. D'Angelo got a shot on net from the blue line, but Quick made a nice save. Zibanejad really firing away on this power play here. And this is what you want to see. You want to see the Rangers shooting the puck more. Obviously, that message is, it seemingly has gotten through. The Rangers, you know, when in doubt, they're throwing the puck at the net. But Quick is just coming up big. Uh, Kaka was denied in deep on a, on a shot right from the doorstep. And the Rangers, it's amazing they didn't score on this power play because they had the puck in L.A. zone for like a minute 45 straight until the Kings finally clear with about 15 seconds left on the power play. An excellent power play opportunity. And this is the shining example of the fact that you can't always judge a power play based on whether the team scores or not because the Rangers, again, they did everything right here. You know, sometimes the puck just doesn't go in. It happens. Nobody's going to bat a thousand on the power play. And Kings, you know, you got to tip your cap a little bit because they held, they hung in there and Jonathan Quick made some very nice saves. Adam Fox continues to impress. He continues to look like a playmaker. He dishes from the point in deep to Foss and Foss, maybe a little too much stick handling in deep on the doorstep there. Maybe might've been better off just pulling the trigger, but you know, hindsight's always 20-20 in a situation like this. And you've got, you know, a fraction of a second to, to decide here. Bottom line, Quick makes the save. He closes off the near side and, and basically just smothers the puck. But yeah, Lundqvist looking really good in the first period here. And, and keep in mind, again, he has not played in over a week, and he is sharp as a tack early in this one. He does catch a little bit of a break. Drew Doughty, I mean, he's always dangerous. He rings a shot off the crossbar. Lundqvist didn't even react to this one, so it, it looked like he probably got screened. 
And then, you know, the Rangers, everything's going right in this first period except for the scoreboard. They just have not been able to, to solve quick. They have not quite been able to convert on their opportunities. They've been close a couple of times. But in the final minute, we get a really big push from the Kings. They really have the Rangers back on their heels. And Lundqvist did everything he could here. You know, he made a couple of really tough pad saves on one side of the net to the other side of the net. He's moving around. He's scrambling. The Rangers really back on their heels. The Kings... The Kings eventually worked the puck to Dustin Brown, and Brown scores from a really tough angle. Now, Lundqvist was on the right side of the net. He tried to kind of scramble back to his left, just kind of flail it and, and kind of, you know, reach out with his glove for it. Just couldn't quite get there. And just like that, one nothing Kings with just 10 seconds left in the period. But I can't put this one on Lundqvist because the Rangers really failed to get the puck out of their zone. The Kings were, like we said, they were absolutely buzzing in the Rangers' side of the ice, moving the puck all over the place, firing the puck from all different kinds of angles, and Lundqvist held on there for as long as he could, kept the puck out with some really nice saves, some really nice full extension pad stops. But unfortunately, the Rangers not quite saved by the bell here, and Brown cracks the scoreboard with 10 seconds remaining. Now, if you're the Rangers here, there's no reason to push the panic button because you've put 14 shots on goal. You've created a bunch of scoring opportunities. You've clearly outplayed your opponent despite trailing on the scoreboard, and there's no reason to get away from the game plan. Understand it's just one goal, and you just keep doing what you're doing, and you'll be fine. Unfortunately, I don't think the Rangers ever really played at the level for the rest of this game that they played in the first period. They just couldn't find that that extra gear that they had here. The scoring opportunities were much fewer and far between, and yeah, you know, I mean, the, the Kings, I, I guess this goal just kind of got them going a little bit and they found their game after this as well. But yeah, the Rangers really had the Kings back on their heels in the first period, just not quite able to convert. Chris Kreider was interviewed between periods and he stressed the need to keep throwing the puck at the net. And really, this has been a theme all season. We've talked about it a lot. The Rangers broadcasters have talked about it a lot. The Rangers themselves have talked about it a lot. And on the one power play that they had in the first period here, I thought the Rangers were very aggressive. A ton of shots just flying at the net from all different angles and all different sources. But it's almost like we need the Rangers to have kind of an overcorrection where there's a game where they shoot too much. Let's let's just have one game where the, the game plan is to just do nothing but throw the puck at the net from all different angles and all different sides. See if you can get up to like, I don't know, like 45, 50 shots on net and just see what happens. Take your chances. Keep your fingers crossed. Because the Rangers... As far as, you know, scoring percentage goes on shots, they're actually pretty close to the top of the league. I believe it's like top five or at least top seven. And the reason for that is they just don't shoot a lot. They always wait for the perfect opportunity. So, yes, the scoring percentage is going to go up. But that stat also tells you they clearly need to put the puck at the net a little bit more often. But yeah, try it for one game. Just keep throwing the puck at the net from every different angle. And maybe the, maybe you get a couple bounces. Maybe it goes in. Maybe you win the game, you know, five to one or something like that. So the second period begins, and Henrik Lundqvist makes a really nice save, kind of an off-balance stop. Brown tries to go far side, and Lundqvist sticks out his right pad to deny him, steers the puck out of harm's way. Then Kako gets a shot from the doorstep, and guess what? He actually shoots. But unfortunately, he can't elevate the shot, and Quick just sprawls out to make an outstanding skate save, full extension, kind of on his stomach and sticking out his left pad, getting a piece of it with his skate. So Kako is just absolutely robbed here. That's another reason why I do think Kako cracks the score sheet with a goal in the next contest, because he's just not getting the breaks right now. I mean, he did everything right here. You know, maybe he could have elevated the puck a little bit, but it's an outstanding save by quick and you know sometimes you just gotta tip your cap a little bit um later on in this same shift Kako goes in again and it's not a golden opportunity to shoot but it's a situation where I think shooting was clearly his best option he gets to the top of the right circle and just doesn't shoot and there's not really any pass to be made here but nevertheless he passes to his left I think he was trying to get the puck to Zibanejad and the puck gets deflected away so I mean it's crazy even in a game where Kako gets eight shots you know there were still 
opportunities to shoot that maybe he didn't. And then one other thing I wanted to call attention to here in the second period, the Rangers, can they get through one game without taking a delay of game penalty or a too many men penalty? It just seems like this is kind of becoming an epidemic. Now, this is just their first penalty of the game. I have to point that out. You know, we have gotten on the Rangers for taking too many penalties and too many undisciplined penalties and too many unnecessary penalties. But by that same token, I got to give them credit when they do stay out of the penalty box. And they did that tonight. They did that in the last game as well. So definitely some improvement there. Not the kind of head scratching penalties that the Rangers were taking earlier in the season. But yeah, it was kind of a weird play. I mean, basically the puck is bouncing around and Kreider just tattoos it into the crowd. He just wound up and basically took a baseball swing at it. I, I suppose he was just looking to knock it out of the zone and it got away from him. Power play for the Kings all the same. Kopitar hits the crossbar on the power play, and that's at least three times that the Kings have hit the post up to this point. And Rangers just can't get the puck out of their zone, but then they end up getting an opportunity shorthanded, two-on-one. Howden receives a pass from Truba in deep, but quick with another really nice save. Rangers with six shorthanded goals on the season, nearly a seventh right there. And then the Rangers kill off the power play, and it's their turn to hit the post. McKaig zips in and leaves a beautiful drop pass for Lemieux. Lemieux shoots from the left circle and hits the post. And then really kind of a weird goal for the Kings back the other way, and the Kings take a 2-0 lead. The Rangers just couldn't get the clear here. They had a couple of opportunities, just could not get the puck out of their own zone. And then we get a shot from Matt Waugh, and Lundqvist gets his glove on the puck, and for whatever reason, the puck just bounced out, basically trickled down Lundqvist's back, and Tyler Toffoli with the easiest goal he will ever score. The puck's just laying there right on the crease, right in front of the goal line, and Toffoli just stuffs it home. Uh, Hard to really tell what happened here. I mean, like we said, you know, Lundqvist got a good piece of this with his glove and just maybe couldn't quite squeeze it shut for whatever reason. I suppose it happens from time to time, but at this, by that same token, I got to put this one on Henrik Lundqvist. He's got to come up with this save here. You know, hit him in the glove and, you know, you get your glove on it. You got to catch it, I suppose. That, that applies in baseball. It applies in hockey as well. Lundqvist is not quite able to close his glove on the puck. And just like that, 2 to nothing Kings with about six minutes and a little bit of change left in the second period. Then we get a fight between Brady Shea and Austin Wagner. They were really going at it in front of the Ranger net, you know, just kind of battling for position. A couple of stick whacks, and they dropped the gloves. Not too many big punches landed, and, and Shea eventually just kind of wrestled Wagner down to the ice. But I believe I heard this was just Shea's uh, second career fight, so... Kind of interesting to see him, you know, mixing it up, being willing to, you know, try to give his team a little bit of a spark there, down two goals. Uh, Kudos to Brady Shea for that. And then the Rangers get a decent push in the final two minutes, but they just can't quite crack the code that is Jonathan Quick in this game. The Rangers put two shots on net in the final 10 seconds. Uh, A great save against Brett Howden, who was moving in with a full head of steam. And then Quick also sprawls to his left to deny Heedle on the rebound. And that's a killer, man. You know, if the Rangers get that goal here, first of all, you pay the Kings back for what they did to you in the first period. The Kings scoring with just 10 seconds remaining in the first. And you would have basically done the same thing here, even less than 10 seconds remaining in the second period. But unfortunately, Quick just makes, you know, a couple of outstanding saves against Howden and Heedle and keeps the Rangers off the scoreboard. Would have been big, maybe kind of a tide-turning type of a goal there, as it was for the Kings at the end of the first period. But unfortunately, Rangers going to go into the third period, still down by two goals. So we go to the third period. The Rangers roll with a line of Ryan Strom, Artemi Panarin, and Pavel Buchnevich. Rangers shuffling the lines a little bit, well, actually a lot here, because all three of these guys were on different lines to start the game. But now you've got Strom, Panarin, and Buchnevich. I'm fine with having Panarin and Zibanejad on separate lines. You know, they definitely clicked early in the season, and I think, you know, they've, for the most part, played well together since then. Maybe not as good as they, they did, you know, out of the starting blocks before Zibanejad got hurt. But 
Panarin, man, you could put him out there with anybody, and I feel like he's going to score goals, and he really has good chemistry with Ryan Strom. So I almost feel like it's a little bit of a waste to have Panarin and Zibanejad on the same line, put them on different lines, let them kind of elevate other people. That's something we talked about in a previous episode, but I'm all for it because, again, Panarin, he's going he's gonna to do great things no matter who he takes the ice with, and you know him and Ryan Strom have really, really clicked, so I really like having the two of them out there together. And then Buchnevich, a guy you're trying to get going as well, so good idea to put Buchnevich with those two as well. Then we get another fight, Brendan Smith and McDermott, and a couple of punches landed for McDermott, and they both just kind of fall to the ice, and Smith... It really all just started because Smith put a clean hit on his guy and sent him to the ice, and McDermott took exception. It, it it's kind of unfortunate, you know, that you you know you can't even hit somebody without being forced to drop the gloves. And not that Brendan Smith is going to shy away from a fight. I mean, if somebody wants to fight him, he'll fight him. But you know, I mean, there was nothing wrong with what Brendan Smith did, and McDermott finds the need to you know kind of go after him and and hey, we're fighting, and Smith just says okay, sure. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, there was nothing malicious about what Brendan Smith did whatsoever. There was nothing dirty about what Brendan Smith did whatsoever. And then he's got to, you know, drop the gloves against a very good fighter in McDermott. So Benajad did get a good chance, though. He had a really strong drive to the net, just kind of powered his way through a sea of bodies and takes a backhand shot from in deep. But Quick just stayed with him all the way, stayed in perfect position and made the save again. Jonathan Quick was on top of his game in this one. And I do have to talk about this. Dustin Brown with a dangerous, dirty play against Artemi Panarin along the boards late in this game, and he basically just kicks Panarin's leg out from underneath of him, and it was just total garbage, and the league really needs to take a look at this because, you know, the league, they'll hand out fines and even suspensions if you target somebody's head, and that's great. It's good that they're protecting these players, and you've got to, you know, keep an eye on guys that are purposely and maliciously targeting someone's head. we got to get that nonsense out of the game great. But what about plays like this? This is dangerous too. Just because he didn't go for Panarin's head, it doesn't mean that the league shouldn't take a look at it. Um, They're along the boards and Brown just reaches back with his right leg like he's getting ready to kick a field goal and he swings it forward and catches Panarin in the back of the leg. I mean, that is so dangerous. Those skates are so sharp. God only knows what that can do to your calf or, or anything else, your ankle, and knocks Panarin to the ice with that, you know, just dangerous slew foot or whatever you want to call it. I mean, to me, it wasn't even... A slew foot is usually when you, you catch the, the opponent's skate. In this case, he basically just kicked the guy's leg out from underneath him. So this was even worse, and the league really needs to take a look at that. And when the Rangers play this team again, uh, don't be surprised. I think somebody needs to, uh, you know, maybe introduce themselves to Dustin Brown a little bit. And I'm not saying to do something dirty or, or, you know, to kick his leg out from underneath him, but, you know, maybe a guy like Brendan Smith or even like a Tony D'Angelo decides, hey, we're, we're going to drop the gloves here. We're going to settle this because you've got to stand up for your star players like this. It was just a total dirty garbage play by Dustin Brown, and I really hope that the league does something about it. So the Kings take an icing with 2.36 left, and the Rangers pull Henrik Lundqvist, and then just a few seconds after the ensuing faceoff, Dustin Brown takes down because of Benajad. He goes off with a tripping penalty, so the Rangers are going to go on the power play with 2.05 remaining, and they're going to go 6-on-4 for pretty much the rest of the game unless they score, and in fact, they do score because with about 40 seconds left, the Kings shoot the puck into the Rangers' zone, and Kreider goes back behind the net to get it. He comes up the ice, full head of steam, and gets the puck to Capo Caco. Caco takes a shot. He shoots from the right circle. A save by Quick, but Kreider gets to the rebound, makes a touch pass to Panarin. Panarin puts the puck in the net with 29 seconds left, and it is two to one. And we talked about this a little bit earlier, but this is a shining example of why Caco needs to shoot, why the Rangers need to shoot. Because again, you don't score here, but you end up setting up one of your teammates. So off the next face off, again, there's only 29 seconds left here. The Rangers have 29 seconds to try to find the equalizer. 
and the puck drop is at center ice, obviously, after the goal. The Rangers opt to continue to keep Lundqvist on the bench, so they're going to go six on five here, and, you know, that's probably the right call because there's so little time to work with here. You just got to take your chances with the empty net right off the bat. But the Rangers can't gain entry into the Kings zone. There's a fight for the puck along the boards in the neutral zone, and the Kings come away with it. And Adrian Kempe scores on the empty net, 3-1 to one with just 14 seconds left. And that pretty much does it. Rangers dropping this one really up and down for the Rangers. It's been win-loss, 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 quite literally, because in their last eight games, that's exactly how it's gone from least recent to most recent. They win one and they lose one. You know, it, it is what it is. It, it's been a mixed bag, just as the record would suggest. And, you know, the Rangers, again, they, they played a great first period in this game, but they kind of let this game get away from them a little bit. It wasn't all bad. You know, Henrik Lundqvist played a good game. The Rangers stayed out of the penalty box. They only took that one penalty, and they killed off the power play for the Kings. And the Rangers themselves score a late power play goal. Unfortunately, you know, you really want to pick up two points against a team like the Kings. And again, the Kings are better at home than they are on the road. But the bottom line is they are dead last in the Western Conference. So kind of a missed opportunity here. And as we've talked about, you know, the Rangers, they are right there in the playoff picture. They're, I believe they came into this one just four points out. But they have a game, at least a game in hand on most of the teams that they're chasing. So, yeah, I mean, every time the Rangers take the ice, it feels like a really, really big game. We really want to see them stay in this playoff race all the way through and ultimately get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, you know, I continue to say this, but I think it does come down to a photo finish. So it is unfortunate when you're playing a game against a team you should beat and you don't come away with the victory. The Rangers falling to the Los Angeles Kings 3-1. to They will be back in action Thursday night in San Jose against the Sharks once again at 10.30, the third game of this four-game road trip. Another, you know, very winnable game for the Rangers. The Sharks currently sitting at just 15, 16, and 2. That is fourth to last in the Western Conference. They just really haven't gotten it going this year. They're on a three-game losing streak. And again, look for Capo Caco to finally score a goal in that one. Uh, not just for all the reasons that I mentioned before, but the San Jose Sharks have not gotten good goaltending from either Martin Jones or Aaron Dell. Uh, so far this season. So, yeah, I think the Rangers bounce back. I think they get a win against the Sharks. Again, you know, they just have to, if they play the way that they played in this first period for three periods against the Sharks, then I don't think the Rangers have anything to worry about. And I know that's easier said than done, but I do look for the Rangers to once again bounce back to a loss, to this adversity, and come back with a strong performance and ultimately a victory against the Sharks. So that's going to do it for today. We'll be back here with a brand new episode tomorrow. As I said, I'm pretty much just going to re-record the episode that I already did and unfortunately was lost due to some technical difficulties. That episode breaks down the Rangers' goaltending situation with Lundqvist, Georgiev, and Shesterkin. We'll have that to look forward to tomorrow. I'll see you guys then. Thanks again for joining in. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And make sure to give us a follow on Twitter, at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. I'll see you guys next time.